Hello and welcome. Um, thank you for being here. Let's pray. Mighty King of Glory, we worship you tonight, God. We glorify your holy name, Father, because of who you are, what you've done in our lives, O King of Glory, God. Father, you know this moment, this time, O King of Glory, it's not something that just comes from the blues, God. No matter what we are going through, you've already seen it, God, and you've already created a victory for your people, O King of Glory, God. So, Father, we ask you, Jesus, that you may remind us of that and encourage us, O God, to know, Father, that you're holding our hands, God. You're walking with us, O King of Glory, God. You love us, O dearly, Lord. And even today, God, as we worship you, Father, with our hearts wide open, Lord, and we listen to your message, O King of Glory, God, I pray, Lord, that Jehovah God will be a good soil, Father, that we can receive that seed in us, Lord. So, Lord, it can grow and multiply and bear fruits, O God, that pleases you, Lord. Father, I come against any works of the enemy in the name of Jesus, Father, and I pray, God, that you may continue to protect your church, O God. I ask you, mighty King of glory, for your spirit, for your, for your blood, O King of glory, to envelop every part of our church, O God, and its members, O God. That Jehovah God, we can survive under your, your shadow, O God, because no matter what we walk through, Father, you are with us, O God. I pray, Jehovah God, that you may move me out of the way, O God, completely, and you speak your word, O God, to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So today, we're going to be looking at Colossians 3, 16, 17, um, and let's go. Let the word spoken by Christ, the Messiah, have its home in, in your heart and minds, and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things as you sing psalms and hymns and spirit song, making melodies to God with his grace in your heart. And whatever you do, no matter what it is, in words and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord and in dependence upon his, his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. So when we read that text, text that Paul was writing to the church, there is so much in there. And I, didn't want to, I, wanna, I want us to go deep into it and look at every word and see what was Paul trying to tell these people and can we apply that into our life today. So the first thing they say is let the word... Spoken by Christ, the Messiah have its home in your heart. So what are these words that we are talking about? If you look at the Bible, we can look at different words that Jesus spoke, but I picked up a couple of them. Some of the words that we, we look at is Matthew 6, 33, 30, uh, 33, 34. But seek, aim, and strive after first all his kingdom is righteousness, his way of doing, doing and being right. And all these things uh, taken together will be given to you beside. So don't worry or be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have worries and anxiety of its own. Sufficient for each day its own trouble. So not to worry at all. Just to trust God and know that he's already gone before us. John 14:16. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it doesn't matter what we try to do. It doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter what we formulate. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And then Matthew 5:16, let your light so shine before men that they may see you, your moral excellence and praiseworthy, noble and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This verse here is saying that let you, your moral, the, the way you carry yourself, the things that you do, let those things bring glory to God. And then Mark 11:24-25 says, for this reason I'm telling you. Whatever you ask in, my, in, in prayer, believing, trusting, and confidence, that it will be granted to you, and you will get it. 
And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, any, anyone, forgive and let it, let it, and let it drop. Leave it, let it go, in order for that your Father, whom is in heaven, may also forgive you your own failing and shortcoming. Let them drop. So again, this Bible verse itself is talking about when we come to God to pray, that we should forgive other people. We should let it go. We should let it drop. And then when we do that, then God is going to let it, let it drip. And these are some of those words that as a Christian, we are, they are being spoken to us. That The Bible says, let these words, let the word Christ, let the word Christ have its home in your heart. And then Matthew 22, 37, 30 says, And he replied to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is, a great, this, is, this is great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. What I love about this verse is, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And then love your neighbor as you love, your, as you love yourself. But that's a second. It says that's second to loving God. Because if you love God, then you'll be able to love your neighbor in a godly way. But you can't say that I'm going to love my neighbor. And then you forget the first law that says love God, love his ways, love his commands. And then you want to say, oh, apart from that, I need to love my neighbors and, and go ahead and accept whatever they are doing without doing what you've been asked to do at first. So the Bible says that let these words have a home in your heart and mind. Let the spoken words by Christ, let Christ be dwell in your heart. And when I think about that, I think about Christ dwelling in my heart. What does that look like? What do I need to, to do that? Because the Bible says, let it dwell, let, there be a, let it be a home, to, let uh, Christ have its home and dwell in you. So what's a home to you? When you think about home, what do you think about? I think about safety. I think about some place where I can, I can rest. I think about somewhere I thrive. Home is a sanctuary. It's a place of refuge and safety, a place of rest. So my question for you and myself is, when Christ, in, in your heart, in your mind, can Christ find that? Can he find rest? Can he find a place where he can come in? Have you cleared your, your, heart, and, your heart and mind in order for you to invite Christ? I think about... Um, you think about like if you had to invite somebody to your home, you want them to come in and visit. What do you do? Do you clean your home or do you just let it be? Do you, <laughs> do you take time, do you take time to, to just leave the home just like it is? Don't make the bed, don't, make the, don't pick up anything, don't do any of that stuff. Do you just leave it like that or do you clean and you make sure everything is where it's supposed to be? The truth is we clean up. We do a lot of stuff. We go out of our way to get the best, the best bed sheets. We, get the, we go out of our way to, and especially if they're spending the night, we go out of our way to make sure that all the dishes are clean, all the things are clean. Yet, when we want to invite God in our hearts and tell him, God, come and reside in our heart, are we doing the same thing? Are we taking that moment to prepare in that extent that we can be, we can be inviting to Christ so he can find a place where he can call home in our hearts? See, what I think is we, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Because we tell the Holy Spirit, we tell God that, well, come in this, come here and feel this place. Come, come and feel us. Come and feel this place. Yet, when He comes in, we are not ready for Him at all. Let your action be inviting. Let your actions be inviting. When, when, when a visit against a guest is coming to your house and you see them pulling up, 
You don't go start doing other stuff. You don't, you don't go start concentrating on other stuff. You don't go start watching TV. You, you don't go sleep. You, you get up and you go and you invite them. You bring them in. So what does that look like in, in your life as a Christian? Are you considering cleaning your heart, staying in prayer, in fasting, in reading your word so then you can prepare a place for, for Christ? Or are you just expecting that Christ is going to come and you're just going to be, hey, it's going to just be good because he's, he's, he's there? Renew your mind. Consecrate yourself to Christ. Romans 11, uh, 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's where you go out of, you go outside your own thinking and you, you go before God and you're saying, I don't want to be conformed to this world with the things I know. I want you to renew my mind, God, and tell me, how do I prepare for your coming into my heart? How do I prepare you for, how do I prepare my life in order for, for me to be inviting? How do I do that? And that only comes in if we have that relationship with Christ where we constantly pray, where we constantly fast, where, where we constantly read our Bible, and then he can renew our minds and tell us what we need to do. And it says, um, let your words, let, word, let, let the word Christ have its home in your heart and mind and dwell in you in all its richness. When you think about richness, when I think about richness or when you think about richness, you think about growth. Where there is, where there is richness, there is growth. So when it says, let, the, let this word that have found refuge in your heart and mind produce fruit... There has to be growth. Jeremiah 17, 7 is, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and who hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the water, which spreads out its root by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and, it will, and will not be anxious in the years of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruits. That's interesting because as you look at this corona season that we are in right now, it is so, we can say that there is heat, that there is anxiety, there is a drought because things are not going how they are. But if you are planted in Christ, there will be, there will be green leaves and then there will be more, there will be, there will be a yield of fruits. And the good, when I thought about that is, it's like a fountain. Think about a fountain, a fountain that's being fed water all the time. When that fountain fills up, then it starts pouring in. We have to become that as a Christian. We have to fill ourselves with the word of God. We have to fill ourselves with, 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 with Christ so much that we start flowing out to other people. See, that is a full, when we are full, then we can be able to pour out and then there'll be a part of water around us. And when you think about it that spiritually, if we are standing somewhere and you're looking around you and looking at your life and there is no part of water around you, then, then there's two things that are happening. One, you're either not filled, which means that you need to dig deeper into your word, need to dig deeper into asking God so you can be filled. Or second, there is an obstruction in the flow. So the question is, which one are you? If there's an obstruction, what are those things that you're indulging yourself in that you need to stop doing so then that way the flow can continue? Because it's only when you're filled that you can, you can be able to pour to other people. See, the Bible says in Matthew seven nineteen is every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into fire. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that tree that is cut 
having grown. Think it doesn't say it doesn't say um, every seed that does not bear fruit is cut down. It says every tree, meaning that this tree has already been nurtured and grown to a certain point. And now God is looking at that tree and saying, you know what? I'm so sorry, but I wish I give all I give you all this time to grow, but there is no production at all. I have to cut you down. So just because a tree is driving and it looks green doesn't mean that it's producing fruit. And so we have to check ourselves. We have to ask God to examine our hearts. We have to make sure that, that we are sticking and having that relationship with God so he can check our heart, check our motive, check, check what we are doing. So then that way we can be able to produce good fruit. And the good thing about this is the byproduct of this is and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to God with grace in your heart. So this is God's wisdom, this is God's insight, and this is God's intelligence. So you are filled with God's wisdom, you are filled with God's insight, and then you are filled with God's intelligence. And then when, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when there is a flow out of that, you are producing, you are, you are sharing God's intelligence, God's wisdom, and God's insight. Because what happened is I see a lot of people and, um, who want to share themselves in the name of sharing God. When you talk to somebody about somebody they, 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 they hang out with or, or they're fellowshipping with, and the conversation goes, this person is, you, the conversation is more like, oh, this person, they talk more about this person than they talk about Christ. Yeah. Really, is there their wisdom? They're saying this person does A, B, C, D, or is it Christ, 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 and a little bit of this person because this person is, every time there is a little attention to them, they are driving it back to Christ. Is that us? Is that what we are doing? Are we allowing God to fill us so much that whatever comes out of us is being flown out as Christ's knowledge and intelligence and, um, uh, and wisdom? And then the Bible says, And whatever you do, no matter what it is, in words and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, in dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. In whatever we do. In, in everything we do in words and deeds. Our words are by a product of our hearts. And everything we do, whether it's saying something or doing it, comes from deep in our hearts and depends on what the fruit is in there. And I just wondering myself, like, why would God say, you know, why would God say that in everything that we do? Why, 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 why? You know, I think about my kids sometimes, uh, they, they always, I will tell them something and they'll keep asking, Why? 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 <laughs> and part of, you know, I, I, because I told you so, works half the time. But other times they naturally do want to know why. Why is it that it, whatever they're asking. And so with the same thing is, why are we being asked in everything that we do, that we need in words and deed, that we need to depend on God and give him praise for that? And actually, really, it's that simple. Because we cannot make the right decision on our own, no matter what we try. We cannot make the right decision on our own, no matter how, how we try. And Jeremiah 7, 8, 11 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So, doesn't matter if you leave the heart to itself, it is going to come up with something that is not godly. Because it's deceitful in all things. And desperately wicked. Okay? So, you think about it. The way... The Bible doesn't just use words. It doesn't just say, you know, it could have said, and they are weakened, and that's it. 
But it's defining completely and clearly and it's saying desperately wicked. That means that there is an urge and a need to do the wrong things. That's your heart without Christ. There is a desperate need to do wicked, wicked things. And so when, you, when God says clear in whatever you do, in words and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, in dependence upon him, giving praise to God the Father, is because we need to depend on him. Because if we don't depend on him, all we're going to do is desperately provide things that are not godly. I know me, I'm one of them. I can say that if we do not follow Christ, the decisions that we made before Christ were not good decisions at all. They were desperately wicked. But because of Christ, we are able to do the will of he, the will he's called you. And desperate, so the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord, such is our heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruits of his doing. Think about that. God tests us. He sees our heart. He searches our hearts and he knows our mind. And so when he says, I am putting you in a place where I need you to be able to be successful, it's only if you put your words and deed before me so I can guide you. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge it shall eat the fruits of it, death or life. So you have death and life coming from your tongue every single day. And the only future that we have is Christ. Because if we don't allow Christ to filter that, guess what? You are, dis- you are desperately wicked, myself included. And if we are given a chance between death and life, desperately wicked is not going to choose life at all. I'm sure it's not. doesn't matter how good you are. So that's why we need Christ. We depend on him. We need him very much. See, we need God. We really do. We ser- sincerely need God. And especially in the generation that we are, in the time that we are, we desperately need God to guide us. We desperately need to wake up in the morning and ask God to guide our steps, to lead us and and walk with us. Because we do not know about tomorrow, but God knows that. He has a drone view or a GPS where he knows that. You know, we just um, moved to a a new place and um, one of the things is I can't go around and check out my neighbors, but I have a drone. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was curious about my neighbors because they're a little bit farther, and I was like, hmm. So on a Saturday, I'm just bored doing what, you know, what every good American would be doing, just chilling. And I pulled out the drone, and I flew up and got to see my neighborhood from a different perspective. So now I know, I know the borderlines. I know how far it is to the next place. I know, I know the things that I can do and the things I cannot do. I can clearly define to you what that looks like. And so when we think about it, it's the same thing. Like we ask God to guide us and tell us what's be, what is before me? What's behind me chasing? What kind of sin is, bef- what kind of sin is before me? What kind of blessing is uh, you know, ahead of me? What kind of things are chasing me from the past? So then I can be able to see that. It's only when we allow Christ to do that, that we can be able to live in a life that, that's pleasing. Jeremiah 29, 11, 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. And if, and you will seek me and find me whenever you search for me with all your heart. When I was looking at that word, seek and find me, 
I just wondered, okay, it says, then you call upon me and pray to me. I will listen to you and I will, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So the seek, the seeking in order for you to find God has to be intentional. You have to aim at seeking him. You can't just be going somewhere and say, oh, I'm going to end up in Tacoma. Then you're just, just driving, unless you've been to Tacoma. But, you, but nobody knows tomorrow, so we, we really don't know what tomorrow does. So it's like me telling you, you know what? Okay, don't, don't answer this if you're from Kenya. It's like me telling you, oh, there's a little village called Kiambu that I need you to go and go say hi to my cousin over there. You've never been there. Okay? And you, if you have, praise God. It's a good place to go. Uh, but that's the point. I can't come and tell you tomorrow I need you to go to Kiambu and do all that and, and just go. You have to have an aim of where you're going. And so when you have an aim of where you're going, it's the same thing. Like what are the things, how, what are the things that you need in order for you to be able to see Christ? Are you, do you have a plan? Are you talking to God? Are you telling him, Lord, these are the places that I fail. These are the places that I'm, I'm not able to make it. And I, I need you to guide me in order for me to get to this point. Is there a spiritual place? Because I know one thing is we are very quick with saying in the next, you know, we, we are in the business world. And I believe one of the biggest thing about business is like, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I'll be the CEO of this and this and this and this, right? That's what it sounds to. And so, but when it comes to Christ, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in two years? What are the promotions that you're looking in your life in order for you, and I'm not saying that you need to be um, a pastor or something. Those are not the promotions I'm talking about. I'm talking about the promotion of like, guess what? I used to depend on people praying for me, and I, I used to depend on people giving me a word of encouragement. I used to depend on people coming and sitting with me and doing Bible study. What about a month from now that my, I, I aspire to be the person that sits and does a Bible study with somebody? I inspire that within a year, I'm going to be the person that's giving you word from God because I now have a relationship with God that I'm not waiting for somebody. There's nothing wrong with somebody giving you a word from God, but you're not always waiting for somebody to get you the word because the Bible says that the curtain was torn and we were allowed to go before God. So where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in two years? Where do you see yourself in, 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 in one year? Where do you see yourself next week, the week after? And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. God is merciful. He's a healer of our pain. If only we could cry out to him. To him. He's a healer to, to our hearts, to our minds, to our homes, to our cities, to our states, to our country, to our world. And especially in these times when there's desperation everywhere and everybody's telling you something different. And the news are giving you something different. This is the time that you realize that God is merciful and he hears you. But you have to communicate with him and tell him what you want. Same thing with my kids. If my kids are just calling me daddy, daddy, daddy all the time, daddy, daddy, and they, they're not really telling me what they need, how can I be able to help them? Yeah. Psalms 81, 13, 14 says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversary. That's God. That if we turn to him and listen to him just like the Israelites and follow his walk in God's way, then he, will, he would soon, soon like immediate, 
subdue their enemies, and turn my hand against their adversaries. Are you facing any enemies today? Are you facing any enemies today? Because God is saying if we would turn away from the things that we do, he would subdue those enemies and turn the hand against the adversaries. Do you really need God today? That's a yes. yes, yes. <laughs> Do you need God today? Yes. Because God, he has paid the price for us. Jesus died on the cross for us. He has redeemed us from our past. You can look and see what you've been and what you did. And he has redeemed you and washed clean and doesn't even remember none of that stuff. He has maintained us because it's one thing to be redeemed. But it's another as we walk every single day that he's maintaining us. And he's calling us and carrying us towards him. We desperately need God. You desperately need God. I desperately need God. Psalms 86, 11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord. I'll walk in your truth. Unite my heart to you to fear your name. And this is not fear like, oh, I'm so scared of God. It's being in awe of God. Knowing that he is mighty, that he's, he is God, Lord of our all. Uh, Matthew Paul said, uh, uh, about Psalms 86, 11. Unite my heart, engage and knit my whole body to thyself and service, and deliver me from inconstancy and wavering, that I may not at any time, nor in the least degree, be withdrawn from thee, either to a corrupt worship or to a love and pursuit of lust and vanities of the present evil words. Wowed. So basically he's saying, unite my heart, engage and knit my heart to thyself. Think about that. Like knitting. Unite my heart and knit it completely to, thy, to thyself and the service for you. So I can serve you, God. Deliver me from this inconstancy. Inconstancy means uh, it's, it's a changeability. Not sticking to a predetermined cause. One of the examples, I was looking up that word inconstancy. And they said it's of, often associated with love. If somebody promises to love you forever at 8th grade, but end up falling in love with somebody else at ninth grade, their behavior testifies to inconstancy of their love. Yeah, right? So, and that's the thing, like, with this, you say, deliver me from the inconstancy. Lord, I love you, I love you, and I want you. That's grade 8. I am no longer in love with you, grade 9. Then I want to do something different. It's like, deliver me from that wavering love. Lord, this week you're doing great and you're carrying me and you're, you're delivering me and you're walking with me and you're, you're doing so many things and I love you so much. Oh my God, next week, Lord, all these things are going bad. I have nothing. Where are you, Lord? And there's no love. It's a wavering back and forth. Yeah. And as Paul says, you know, um, deliver me from the inconstancy and wavering. Because there is that wavering too. Keep wavering that I may not at any time, nor in the least degree, be withdrawn from thee, either to corrupt worship or to the love and the pursuit of lust and vanities of this present evil world. That's a prayer we should all be praying every single day. Amen. Proverbs 7 1 says, My son, keep my word and treasure my commandment within you. Keep my word, keep God's word in your heart. Psalms 91 says, In all those years Israel lived in constant need of refuge, shelter, and protection. More than their tents and their armies, Israel had a God as their dwelling place, their refuge, and their protection. Is this you and I? That we constantly need Christ's refuge. 
that we don't worry about the tents and armies. We don't worry about the things that we have. We don't worry about the things that keep us protected. But we want Christ. We want Christ as our dwelling place, our refuge and our protection. Is that you? That you are more concerned, you are not even more, you are totally concerned with God being your protection and shield. And he's more than our hobbies, he's more than our careers, he's more than our children, he's more than everything, fill in the blank. This is why you, my friends, we need God guidance. Because we are not good by ourselves at all. We are exceedingly evil. And the thing is, time is running out. Time is running out. The Bible says that our days are numbered. So Psalms 90.12 says, so teach, us, so teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Spurgeon said, of all arithmetical rules, in, is, this is the hardest, to number our days. Men can number the herds and dove, droves of oxen and sheep. They can estimate the revenue in the manors and farm. They can, with a little pain, number the te- the, uh, and tell their coins. Yet they, yet they are persuaded that their days are infinite and innumerable, and therefore do never begin to number them. So he's saying that back it was in back it was the farm. Like you can ask a man, how many kettles do you have? How much grains do you have? They can just speed those out. You know, even that's today, like, how much do you make? How much do you have in your bank account? How many homes do you have? What do you do? All these things. What's your career? Tell me your class. They can be able to name those. Tell me what, tell me, tell me what your projection is for the next three, four, five years. They can be able to do that. But then there's one number. So pretty much that means that we are pretty good at numbers. The numbers that are important to us. But yet, there's one number that we do not worry about. We don't even, we don't even give, uh, we don't give, um, we don't give thought to it. And that is, our days are numbered. Help me to count my days. So teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. So then that way, we can know where we are, Lord. Let's pray. Mighty King of glory, we worship you tonight. We thank you because you love us so much, God, and you've been with us, oh God, all throughout this time, oh God. And today, Jehovah God, you're reminding us, Father, that in everything that we do, that we should call upon you, O King of glory, God, to guide us, Lord. We learned, Lord, that we, we are not capable by ourselves, but Lord, you are Lord of our all. And so, God, we ask you that you may knit our hearts with you as, oh God. That we don't go right or left, talking of glory, God. That we stay true to what you've called us to do. That we stay true, Father, to your word, O God. That we stay true, O King of glory, Father, to the purpose and plans that you've called us, O King of glory, God. I pray, Lord, the Lord, that you may lead us, O God. That you may guide us, O God. That you may protect your church, O King of glory, God. And today, if you haven't given your life to Christ, like we learned today, you do not have the power to do it on your own. John 3, 16, 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he is not a believer in the name of the only begotten son. And I say, 
you are not condemned if you believe in Christ. But like we found, we are wicked. But until we give our life to Christ, we are condemned. So if that's you and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to, to say a quick prayer and say, Lord, I invite you in my heart today. I ask you to come in and come and renew me and change me, O King of Glory, so then my thoughts and my ideas, God, can align with your will. So if that's you, go ahead and send us a, you say that prayer, go ahead and send us a message on Facebook and, um, or YouTube, and we'll reach out to you. And for the rest of you, have a good evening. We love you, and stay safe. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.